0: When I was a kid, yes, I was a kid at one stage. I'm not as old as a lot of people might think, but then I'm not as young as a lot of people might think either. Um, medieval times were all the rage. Kids, knights, kings. Uh, all the movies were all about castles. And um, I remember watching movies at home on our very, very small TV. My kids have no understanding how blessed they are. Um, we had a micro TV and we had no, no remotes, no remotes, and we would have to change TV by pressing buttons, all the channels. And uh, my brother actually had the first ever Lego castle. And I remember him playing with it, and they built it, and they never took it apart and it was just the excitement about kings and castles and understanding those things and my older brother was right into those things now history tells us when castles were built resources were paramount they were needed when an enemy would lay siege against a a castle their ability to outlast the siege all came over or came upon their ability to have resources if they didn't have the resources they were easy prey And the idea was to lay siege against the castle and hold it out, slowly attacking it and let them run out of resources, run out of water, run out of food, and then they would surrender. And it was necessary in those times when you were in the castle and under siege, you had to trust the person in charge. You had to trust that they had put the resources aside, had to trust that they knew how to defend the castle, because the biggest weakness inside a city or a castle under siege is actually what they call the fifth column. And the fifth column is the people. It's the people's thoughts. It's the people's mindsets. You know those movies where you see some, something taking place and there's always that one person who sells out the rest of them for something stupid and ends up regretting it? It's like the movie Nadia when Peter sells out his, his siblings for Turkish Delight. you know it's always that one person that fifth column was often referred to you know we have to trust sometimes that there's enough water and food there's enough soldiers there's enough unity in the belief of what we're doing in the castle there's enough trust in the wall system in the armies and the kings and the and the officers in charge and whoever else might be because they become important to the actual survival of the city now the city of jerusalem had no rivers nearby. And so when they needed a water source, they actually dug wells. There were rivers outside the city, and so they had to dug them so they actually can get water inside the city because if they came under siege, uh, what are you going to do? So they dug into solid rock this, the wells within the city. So they always had water if it came under siege. And there are many times that the city of Jerusalem actually came under siege. We'll get into one of them. But a city became a refuge place. There were people who lived in the city and then there were people that lived outside of the city. And when the enemy would turn up, everyone would run to the city for the protection of the walls, the protection of the army, and it became what's called a refuge. Now many, many years ago, if you remember, there's going back a few Perhaps you weren't even in the country. We have a, a few people from international. We went through a period called a drought where it didn't rain very much. And if you remember those times, we all went to level four water restrictions. Our water levels, I think our dam levels got down to like 27%, so it was pretty dry, dire. And they all came up with these solutions. It's amazing what solutions you can come up with to fix problems when you're in desperate need. And they were thinking that going, I think, to level five restrictions, doing all these bits and pieces. You could only water plants by buckets. I don't know how that made any difference. Um, You could only have four-minute showers, so my son would have been out of luck. He likes to have a long shower. You couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. Washing the car was almost prohibited unless you did it on the grass, and then you could only do it so many times. And then, of course, just before they were going to implement all these solutions to help us through our drought period, the drought broke and we got flooded. And of course, now that they're in abundance, complacency sets in. In a desert, wells become really, really important. Why? Because the surface water is in short supply. And this is where it draws into Psalms 46, which is actually our passage of Scripture in this service. I've, I've been recommended not to have so many scriptures on a screen at once, and so I'll take that into account. There's a lot to read there. But it says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Salah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has brought Desolates in the, d- in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Salah. Salah, if you remember in the first me- message I did on this series, means to stop, to pause to contemplate. And when this psalm is being written, it's, it's written by... Oh, I've forgotten who's written it by, but it's written in those days and it's written in the same context as around Hezekiah as king. Now if you know anything about Hezekiah, Hezekiah is an interesting king because he serves God and then he does some really super things. And when this passage of Scripture is written, it is when they were under siege or Jerusalem was under siege by the Assyrians... And Hezekiah is king. Martin Luther wrote this hymn, he wrote a hymn, and basically entitled this, he said, "A mighty fortress is our God." When Hezekiah was king and the city was under siege by the Assyrians, there's another passage of scripture in second uh, Kings oh, I'm all over the place today. Second Kings 19, and it talks about what's taking place in this time. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, and he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdom of the earth. You have made heaven and earth incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and listen to the words of the Lord. I cunning pronounce that one, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria has uh, devastated the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the works of man's hand, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord, O God, I pray, deliver us from this hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Hezekiah is... Received a letter from the enemy king. They're under siege, and he takes that letter and spreads it on the ground and goes into prayer. It's, and basically says, Oh God, you're you're in charge. You're God. There is no one above you. I lay this before you and I need you to move. You can imagine what happens in a city when you're under siege. Because it happens today in people's mindsets, there's always people that worry and concern. It's amazing how much negativity can then affect other people. It begins to spread like a wildfire. I had a friend of mine who was in the Navy and part of these Navy training, they had to do simulated flooding of a ship. And they have a simulator down in, uh, I think it's down in Sydney. And they have three levels and it's about communication, And so they would flood the levels. And you have to communicate under different levels in order to get officers to make decisions so you could plug the gaps and stop the flooding. And they had done this multiple, multiple times, and they had put people at different levels, and then one stage they said, okay, and his name is Andrew, and they said, Andrew, what we want you to do is we want you to lose it. We want you to just go silly. Get scared, get worried, get anxious, And just lose it. So they put him on the bottom level where it floods first. And as it begins to flood, he began to get worried and increase in worry. And he became negative about the whole situation. And then he just began to lose it. And everyone on that level lost it. So they flooded. And because they didn't stop the flooding on the first level, the second level flooded. And of course they had to stop it by them because otherwise they were all going to die. But it simulated the fact that one person who sees the negative situation as a bad thing and worries and concerns can actually affect everyone else. But it's interesting that one person who does the complete opposite and allows God to move in a situation can also affect the situation. Hezekiah is king. He's in charge of the city. And because he's got this letter from the enemy king, he's probably, basically, let's, let's put it in, this is the Peterism. He says, if you don't surrender, you will die. That's, that's probably what it said. Probably a bit more eloquently. But he lays it before God and says, God, you're God. There is no other. And if we read the passage, he says, he went into the house of the Lord, spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherims, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear me. That's a really profound passage of Scripture. I don't know how many times you've laid your concerns out before God and said, God, you're God. You're God over all these situations and all these problems and only you can solve it. I don't know how many times I've had bills on the kitchen bench and said, God, I can't pay the bill. God, I need you to move. God, you're bigger than this situation. You're bigger than what is before me. You're bigger than my bank account. You're bigger than the, whoever the company was. You're bigger than this situation. Show me how to do this. Show me how to walk through this. Show me how to make this take place. Just like one person's negativity can change a situation. One person standing before God, asking God to intercede, asking God to move in a situation, can change forth what's taking place. Hezekiah brought the need before the Lord. He laid it before him. He gave him thanksgiving and he gave him honor. Hezekiah cries out to the Lord as his only answer to the circumstances. And then he takes his hands off. God is a God of relationship. And oftentimes what we go through in life, our struggles, our difficulties, whether it be by our hand or God's, the circumstances God has allowed God is always, always working for our good even when we are in control or when we think we're in control. God is always working. Even when we are denying Him His position, He is always working. And He is always working in such a way to bring us to a place of a greater level of relationship. What would it take? What does it take? What will it take For us to come into a good relationship with God that's strong. And then you need to find out because that's what you'll go through. These situations we go through aren't there to hurt us. They're there for us to turn to Him and do exactly what Hezekiah did. God, You are God of all. There is no one above You. This passage of Scripture Actually draws out the ours, the we's and the us. It's the personal pronouns, not, not the personal pronouns of they and them, all right? It's the personal pronouns of the actual passage of scripture of our, we, and us. It's not talking about an individual, it's actually talking about a corporate concept, a corporate setting. It's not singular. And the emphasis is on the presence of the Lord with his people. See, when we trust in Him, that doesn't mean struggles won't come, but it means He's the answer to change the difficulties in our life. Then it's not necessarily that He takes away the challenge, but we begin to see the challenge differently. We trust in Him. It's like my son, right? He's a type 1 diabetic. That's not fun. But in the whole situation, it's been my wife and myself his sister, and himself learning to trust God in the midst of a difficult situation. Who are we going to trust? I trust God over the pump. I trust God over the insulin. I trust God over the doctors. i got to trust him in such a way that when we put our sons into someone else's hand to look after, that God's still got him. And you can break down this passage of Scripture into three sections. That God is our level of strength. You know, the word refuge translates meaning shelter, a rock of refuge, a place of support and trust. In verse 7-11, it's not 7-11 the store, but verse 7 and verse 11, the meaning changes a little bit to a high tower or a fortress. Both words describe that God is the dependable refuge for his people when everything around them seems to be falling apart. That you can go to God for support. That you can go to God for strength. That you can go to God for the answer. And sometimes the delay is because you haven't gone. Or the delay of getting the answer is because you're not in the right place yet. Perhaps you oh God, help me. Sort of. But if the God is a God of relationship, what he wants from us, what he desires from us, is for us to actually go to him and do what Hezekiah did and give him rightful place. Throughout the Bible, we can see that the history tells us of the Bible that Jewish people, when they got into difficulties, they ran to Egypt. Abraham did it. Moses did it. Isaac did it, Jacob did it, the kings did it. They all did it. It was their point of support system. Oh, if I get in trouble, I'll go here. It's like getting into financial problem. If I get into financial problem, I'll go to mum. If I get into difficulties, oh, I got the credit card. Oh, I can get that on ZipPay. If you saw the numbers of debt in this country, you might be a little bit concerned. They're averaging saying that the Gen Ys, these Gen Ys, are in $60 billion dollars worth of debt. Credit cards, zip pay, after pay. Debt is not a good thing, okay? You can use debt to your advantage unless you understand it. Don't get into it. But that is not your answer. He is. Yeah, but I don't know how to pay that bill. Have you asked him? Have you gone to him? Perhaps there's a better way of doing things. Perhaps there's someone who can help you that God will bring along your path to give you some wisdom. Perhaps that's what is lacking is actually wisdom. Today we, we talk to people through Fivefold on a regular basis and we talk to them about their finances and it's, it's crazy what people are doing. It really is. But have you gone to God? Have we gone to our source or do we just let the situation just take place? Some people are in so much debt because like inter- I was watching this thing they were interviewing people, young people and their response, I think this person was in $40,000 worth of debt. They hadn't finished university. And their response was, yeah, I'll pay it off l- later. Yeah, but I need this to live. It's, it's crazy how we justify things. But if God is our source, and I'm talking about the source in the bottle in your fridge, I'm talking about the source of everything then we need to go back to the source to find the answers. And perhaps we don't have the answer because we haven't gone to the source. Or we've gone to the source and haven't waited for the answer because we got annoyed. And today they tell us that the tension span of people is, is drastically smaller. Drastically shorter. And it is. I remember going to churches where you know the worship service was an hour and a half long. And that wasn't even the message. And then the message was an hour long or an hour and a half long the no, church was three, four hours long. And that was not uncommon. If you have a problem, if you have a situation, if you have a challenge, have you thought about going to God? Have we asked Him? He says, come to me, or you're weary, or you are heavy laden. Cast your burden upon me, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus you saying, i got the answers. I mean, God actually created this world. He created us. He knows every answer. But for some reason, and look, I do it too. i will got to be honest here. I've got to train this to seek Him. Because this is my biggest enemy. The ways I've lived, my habits, the ways I've learnt, the, what I've seen, the images I've created. I'm battling against those things in order to get further closer or closer to him. The reason why the Israelites or the history of the the Hebrews, they kept going back to the world because it was convenient. It was, they were aware of it. The problem is Egypt always represented the world. And today some people go back to the world ways. Oh yeah, we'll just do this. We'll just do this. We'll just do what the world does. We'll do what the world does. But the world doesn't have the answer. The source who created the answer, the world does not go to. If you don't know much about finances, and I understand that, we are in for a very interesting time. Globally. You're about to see America collapse. And if you didn't understand that, it's... it's. Insane. We've already seen three banks in America collapse, right, and be bailed out by the government. Last week, one of the banks dropped 97.6% in their share price in a week. And then get bought out by another bank. And there are multiple other banks falling in the same... They literally dropped over, almost overnight over 50% of their stock price just because they do this the same way they always do it. They don't learn from it. So if you put your trust in something other than God, you could find yourself in trouble. And that's not a reason to be concerned because that's a reason to go, hey God, I need you. What do you want to do? How do we do this? Like if he does this in the old times in the Bible, what is he going to do today? Because He's the same God yesterday and tomorrow. He wants relationship with you. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to know Him. He wants to know you. Well, He already knows you, but He wants you to know Him. He wants you to trust Him so hardly. So what would God do? What would God allow in order for us to come to that place where we have to trust Him? That might be a scary thought. And that's why it's so much easier now to do it in the easy times to move forward as far as you can or as close to Him as you can before you need Him. Or Before you need Him in dire straits, I should say. He is our ever, ever present help. He cannot work in our lives, believe it or not, unless we let Him. Until we take our hands off. The word trouble describes people in tight places. And God says, even when you're in a tight place, don't be afraid. You read the Bible. You read the times when people got into deep, deep doo-doo. Like we just did in Maximize Daniel chapter 1. And if you don't understand Daniel chapter 1, you missed. Because last week we had a great, great time. And there's more context to it than sometimes we just understand. And this week we're doing Daniel chapter 2. And it's a horrific situation for young, good Jewish boys who are placed in a situation that is not favourable for them. They are surrounded on all sides by Persians who when they came into the city wiped them out and took out only those they wanted. And these, the story of Daniel is about four people who do exactly what Hezekiah does and they lay it out before God and say, God, you are God alone and there is no one above you. The second part that we can draw from that, from this passage of Scripture, is that God is our river of joy. The scene shifts in verse 4. And it begins to talk about water. Water was precious in those days because they didn't have taps. They had to go to the well for their water system. It was all underground. And the psalmist knew the importance of water and understood that God was their river and he provided them with the water of life, their substance. The Assyrians' invasion can be described like an overflowing water. River, But God in this time was like a quiet river. That would be their source of peace. Because when you understand your source, when you go through troubled times, you go back to that water of peace and you find comfort in that. You find comfort in knowing that God has got this. That God's hand is on the situation. That God is moving in this time. And even though you may not be able to see it take place, you may not know what God is exactly doing, you can rest in the assurance that God has got it. That we can rely. That we can depend on Him. That He is our spiritual resource. And that only comes from God alone. That we can take our hands off because we know that we can walk in peace because He is our source. When Israel always turned back to a pagan nation or they always turn back to Egypt, they always turn back to the world, you can see them always go through more difficult times. They actually end up in a worse place. Why? Because Christ's God, well, that one didn't quite work. Let's bring in something else. Let's shake some things up. I mean, Jerusalem was called the holy city that was set apart by God. And today we are called holy and we are called said that we are set apart. The city and the king needed to turn to the Lord in confession and in their faith so that God would hear them, save them. And this is exactly what God did. God helped. But God was always looking for someone to say, God, we need you to move. No matter what the circumstances, we may always drink from the river of His joy and from His blessing. God is our God and He will be glorified. That's the third one that comes through in verse 8 to 11. And the third scene actually depicts what happened on the battlefield. Because God didn't mess around He didn't convince the other king to leave. He wiped them out. And when they came out of the city, the army was laid flat. They were dead. There had been no battle, but the angel of the Lord had left his evidence behind. Why? To encourage them in their faith. To say, hey, When you put me first, when you put me in that rightful place, I work on your behalf. Come and behold the works of the Lord. And then it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still actually means, literally means, take your hands off and relax. We like to be hands-on, we like to be in control, or we like to think we're in control. We like to manage our own lives but the truth is God is God and we are but his sons and daughters. The king and the people allowed God to be God and God delivered them from their enemies. These are the words of King Hezekiah. He said, Now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. That is the end game. When God moves on your behalf because you have allowed him room to move, then what takes place is God gets the credit and someone else sees that God is God. That's the end game. God wants other people to know that he is still God, that he is in control and he wants to do it because he wants other people to see that God can move in your life. God refers him oftentimes as the God of Jacob and we all understand if you've read the Bible that Jacob had this habit of always getting into trouble. Why? Because Jacob was always trying to control the outcome. There is a time to obey God and act but then there are also times when you need to take your hand off and allow God to work in His time, in His way. That doesn't mean we do nothing. It means we seek God, trust Him for the answer, and it be given in the right time. Go find something to do. Sometimes what He wants to do is for us just to simply seek Him. We won't go too much further. I know that God loves you wholeheartedly. I know He has a plan for your life as well as mine. But God is desperate for you. But we don't share the same sentiment. We don't see the desperation needed to get closer to Him because we are so blessed. This country is so blessed. We haven't gone through a major conflict, we haven't gone through a major financial crisis for a very, very long time. We don't understand how to live with lack, we've always lived with plenty. Even the person on the lowest wage in, in this country earns more than like 98% or 99% of the population of the world. We are so blessed, we, we have almost no need for God. And the fact that we are even here is a testimony of that we have some sort of understanding of how good He is. But God is not a God who is mediocre, that wants to settle for just good enough. God is a God who wants you wholly and solely, everything about you. Because He wants to be able to use you and He wants to be able to work in you so other people come to know Him. God is not a God that He shall lie. And so whatever you're going through right now, whatever struggles are before you, whatever difficulties, whatever answers you don't know have, whatever problems there are, I want you to know that God has the answer. And He is your source. And the only way to get the an answer is to go to Him. And if you lay out your problem before Him, If you welcome Him and invite Him in the situation, you thank Him, you give Him that place in your life, I guarantee you He'll come through. may not be in your timing, because sometimes He's there to build and develop trust and faith, but it will come. It will come. It will come. God is always at work. And sometimes the plan isn't to you to have but to you to know. If you're going through a difficult situation right now, I'm just going to ask you to stand up and we'll come in agreement. We'll pray with you. We'll just invite God to be in that rightful place in our lives. Because I have things in my life that I'm believing for, that I need God to move in, that I have circumstances that are beyond my control. And I'm just trying to hold the faith and just believe Invite God into the situation. Let him do what he needs to do. Father, I lift up every person standing. You know the situation. You know what's happening. You know everything about it. You may not have orchestrated it, but you have allowed it. So Father, right now in agreement, we come together. You said there's power in agreement. So we come in agreement with every single person here that has acknowledged you. We invite you into the situation. We acknowledge that you are God and God alone. There is no one above you. That you are bigger than every circumstance and every situation. So we just lay our need. We lay our desire. We lay the circumstance before you. invite you into that place. God, have your way. Move. We invite you. There is no answer but you. You are our only source. Father, I speak breakthrough in your name. I speak and declare everything that is your word, your principles, your power, your authority. Father, open doors that cannot be opened. Shift. Do what needs to be done, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.